The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I had a trouble there trying to decide if I was going to tell you who I was or thanking you for joining me. So I guess I've done both of those things. And now I would like to thank a very special woman who's going to be with me as my guest today, Kathy McHugh. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Marie. Kathy McHugh has a doctor of nursing practice. She's also an FNP, which is nurse practitioner. She is also an IBCLC, and she has more than 30 years of experience helping parents with breastfeeding, infant care, nutrition, and other health issues. She's written three books, Start Here, Breastfeeding and Infant Care with Humor and Common Sense, Mother to Mother, 2012, and Father to Father, 2013. Now, in addition to her IBCLC credential, Kathleen has earned this Doctor of Nursing Practice, or what some of you may have seen as DNP. She's also the mother of two grown children, and she currently lives in Bethesda, Maryland, and works as both a nurse practitioner and a pediatric uh, nurse in practice as a private lactation consultant. Online, she's at www.bethesdabreastfeeding.com. Kathleen, I'm really impressed with all of your credentials, and I know that every now and again I get it in my head that I might want to go for my doctorate, and then I think, oh, no, that sounds like a lot of work. But (laughs) I know that, indeed, you did go for your doctorate. You did earn the doctorate, and somewhere along that line, I presume, is where you did your most excellent research on breastfeeding and same-sex couples. Am I getting it right? That's absolutely right. I think I had a slow TV night one evening, and... Before you know it, I was signed up for my Doctor of Nursing practice, and then there was a lot of reading involved for a couple of years, and when it came time to actually do a research project, um, I thought about working with lesbian women and doing research there. And the reason that was, was because I had so many same-sex couples, lesbian women that were coming to my practice, and I didn't know what to do with them. It was a very different kind of visit because there isn't a lot of literature for practitioners out there to guide us. Right. So in one breath, you talk about evidence-based practice, and in the next breath, you realize there's not a whole lot of evidence for that practice. Exactly right. And I thought, well, if I do this, it'll be grand because I wouldn't have a big literature review to do. I wouldn't have a lot of research. (laughs) And then, of course, my chair, being the smart woman that she was, said, well, we're going to look at all kinds of support for breastfeeding women, which, as you know, is so important. Sure. 
Sure. So uh, I, I love your thinking, though. Hmm, I'll have a short re- review of the literature. So, so Kathy, tell us a little bit about the research and what you found in that research, realizing that most of us actually don't have a doctorate. So kind of pare it down into sure. uh, some terms that we can all kind of chew down here. Sure. Well, some women came to me as a couple and they said, you know, we both want to breastfeed. And I thought, well, that's swell, but I don't know how to make that happen. (laughs) But indeed, there are methods out there and ways to have that accomplished. So the options are to have one woman induce lactation and to have both women breastfeed or to have one mother be what we call the suck mommy, where she would just suckle the baby Uh, for comfort. And there are some cultures where grandmothers will actually do that for their grandchildren. Absolutely. So, you know, that that's always an option just to have one be the suck mama and one to be the biological mom. I also realize that sometimes uh, the partner's eggs will be used in the biological woman instead of her own eggs. Um, There's just all kinds of different equations that come together to make each couple unique and special. How wonderful that you can recognize that unique and special. And also, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm hearing you talk about what I call that whole childbearing cycle. You know, it's not just about breastfeeding. It's not just about pregnancy. It's not just about conception. It's really about that whole cycle. And as I hear you talking, I'm thinking, wow, Kathleen brings this together for these people in a way that makes a lot of sense. No, absolutely right. And sometimes the women will take turns uh, having babies so that they can both be breastfeeding both children at the same time. So maybe mom A will have a baby and then mom B might be concomitantly, you know, pregnant at the same time or pregnant a year or two later. Um, And then we can get mom A's milk supply back if it hasn't you know, even if it has been a long time since she's weaned. So there are all kinds of different dynamics that go on here. And I think the most fun is just to sit down with a couple and say, what is it that you want to do? And, you know, they don't know every time what they want to do. So they'll look to me and they'll say, well, what have other couples done? What do you think would work? Um, What are the pros and cons of doing this for each of us? And we'll sit down and we'll flesh it out together, um, you know, collaboratively. Uh, That sounds like an excellent topic, and we'll talk about those options a little bit later. But back up for a minute, uh, Kathy. What did your research show when you got through doing your whole project? Well, it showed there were differences, and yet there were similarities. And uh, some of the similarities were whether you're a lesbian mom, couple, or hetero mom, you're going to have a lot of the same problems. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to have a baby that doesn't sleep. Uh, You can sometimes have sore nipples depending on the latch. You can have too much milk, not enough milk. And then there are a lot of differences as well. So the differences were if I had two moms that were breastfeeding, that's something that I never had to be concerned about before. Right, right, right. Does that Absolutely. kind of answer your question? Yeah. Oh, yes, because when you first said that, I was thinking, wait a minute, she's comparing what to what. But your your basic your your research compared the same sex couples to heterosexual couples and well, and, just, and their is- issues. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was qualitative, meaning that. Oh, uh huh. Okay. The spoken word. I asked these women, "What are your experiences?" What makes this special for you? Um, what do you think it's most like? And, and the issues were things like coming out, 
Do I come mm. out to my medical practitioners or do we masquerade as sisters? Uh, do I just come out uh, socially and not at work? Um, and then do I come out and, you know, say that we're having a surrogate and we both want to breastfeed? So it was a lot of the types of things that I didn't even know what I didn't know, Marie. Oh, sure. Oh, I can imagine. So, Kathy, would you say that for the most part, either in your research or since your research, would you say that most of these women don't have this conversation with each other before they see you? Well, some of them do and some of them don't. And some of them don't even know that it's a conversation that they can have with their providers. Uh But if you go to someone that's experienced, you know, if you can hear it from your friends or hear it from the gay community or, you know, read it in a magazine, however you come to it. I mean, I think we're responsible as providers to put that option out, you know, for us to say, you know, you can both breastfeed if you'd like. Um, but but not everybody does that. So I think it's kind of a catch-22. You have to know the question to ask, or you have to have a provider that's educated. And as you know, the gay community is notoriously underserved um, just because there's not a lot. I mean, um, I was a nurse a very long time ago, and there was nothing in the curriculum um, about working with the LGBT crowd. I can relate to that. I would also say that when we went to, well, I'll speak for myself. When I went to school, there wasn't much on breastfeeding, much less same-sex anything. Oh, so, right. Oh, no, that, no. That means that for many people who are professionals, this is like really territory that they don't know anything about. And luckily, these women have found you. Now, Kathy, have you had situations where only the pregnant mother comes to you and the other partner doesn't arrive on your doorstep? Yeah, sometimes. And sometimes they'll come to me and she'll say, you know, my partner doesn't want to breastfeed. And, you know, that has to be okay, Marie, because Uh this isn't something where, you know, or she'll say, do you think you can talk to my partner and tell her that (laughs) this is something you can do? And I say, yeah, "Yeah, absolutely. Bring her in. We'll sit down and we'll have a whole conversation and I'll lay out your options and ways to do things. And, And then, you know, sometimes women will get halfway down the road and they'll say, this isn't for me. And that's okay. You know, all kinds of moms will do that. I was just going to say, that is, again, with a mother who has a heterosexual partner. Sometimes they get down the road and they say, no, thanks, this is not for me. Exactly. And it's really, well, you know, Kathy, I'm also thinking as you're talking, that there's been a ton of research on cultural aspects of breastfeeding. And if you go back to 1985 and look at Carol... um, Carol Lindenberger's, no, Lindenberger's her husband, I'm sorry, I can't think of her uh, her maiden name. Uh, she talks about the fact that even when you look at cultures, there are more similarities than differences. Yes. And it seems to me like that would also be the case with the same sex. And on the other side of the break, I am absolutely going to ask you to talk about these options. I think it's interesting, though, that some women arrive without the partner and you sort of have to open the door so that they feel they can bring the partner or maybe the partner wasn't willing but felt felt like she kind of needed a, a bit of an invitation. Would that be true? Yes, or sometimes they're a little bit embarrassed because sure. they're not sure though, how the provider is going to take it. So oh, I actually right. love the fact that, you know, I've developed a reputation that opens doors for people and now other providers will refer as well. Uh, Kathy, I know that we're going to mostly talk about women, 
But uh, have you had two men come to you also? I have, and as you know, there's something called chest feeding. So uh-huh. if a transgender parent comes to me um, who has made a woman-to-man transition and uh, he wants to breastfeed, sometimes it's quite possible, you know, using a supplemental, you know, at breast supplement or something like that, and dependent sure. on is, if he's had top surgery, meaning um, any removal of breast tissue. Um, and even if uh, he has, it's still quite possible. So, yes, I have had two men come to me, and uh, I did help one of the men with uh, chest feeding. Okay, so bottom line is this. Anybody who is in a same-sex uh, relationship who wants to breastfeed, the possibility always exists. Absolutely. Not to say that it absolutely can be done, but it does exist. Uh, Wow, this is some real interesting stuff. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the options that you lay out for them, Kathy. But meanwhile, I'd like to just give a word to our sponsors. Uh, Please check out New Angel. That's N-U-A-N-G-E-L dot com for women by women owned by an IBCLC, newangel.com. And also... New Rue Baby, that's N-U-R-O-O-B dot com, New Rue, closest to baby, closest to mother. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with my guest, Kathy McHugh. Kathy and I are talking about breastfeeding with same-sex couples. And if you weren't here for the first segment, basically what she said was there's a lot of similarities, certainly, between women who are in same-sex relationships and women who are in uh, heterosexual relationships in terms of some of the ups and downs that they have. But she ended the segment talking about how uh, uh, it's always a possibility, it may not work out exactly the way that they that you had hoped, but it's always worth maybe asking the question. I guess that's the way I would summarize it. So, Kathy, help us a little bit with this because you alluded in the first segment to options. I'm big on talking to just any woman about the fact that, sure, exclusive breastfeeding is great, but it's not necessarily realistic or desirable for all people. It's really about their goal, not mine. Uh, it's not necessarily about exclusive breastfeeding for six months, although that certainly is the ideal that the AAP and others, World Health Organization and so forth, hold out to us. Sure, sure. But there's, it's never an all or nothing deal. So with same-sex couples, how what options can you identify or help them to identify? And what would you see as the pros and cons to those options? Well, it's something that you have to sit down and discuss. You have to flesh it out with your partner. You have to see what her comfort level is and what she can do. In other words, is she going to go back to work? Um, is she going to be gone all day? Or are you going to be on shifts where maybe one mom works as a night nurse or something and the other one is oh. home during the day? Um, who liked it? Who doesn't like it? I had one mom who was in a hetero relationship, and then she uh, had left her first partner and with her second partner. Um, she talked about how she didn't like breastfeeding. Um, and then her partner said, well, perhaps if you're in a relationship where I'm helping you breastfeed, you would be more comfortable and not feel you know, right. quite on the spot. And so they sat down. And the other thing I tell everybody is, Keep it fluid. You know, you can make your mind up today and you can try it on for a size. But if as you progress through it, you're not happy with it, then let's change it. Let's do something different, you know, because if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same result. So, <laughs> yes. so let's see. And, you know, as far as being pros, the pros of two women both either lactating or, you know, having a partner to help you is that you're going to have more milk as a family. So if two moms have milk, you know, that's great for the baby. You get a relief pitcher. Uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so to speak. And, and it's super bonding. I mean, I had one couple that said they lay in bed on Sunday morning and this little one goes back and forth. Um, between, you know, has four breasts to choose from, which I think is pretty <laughs> terrific. And and no, I don't charge double. Everybody always asks me that question. Do you charge double? No, I don't. But it's super bonding. And some moms um, will have, of course, more than one baby. And if you have twins, it's super ideal because, you know, then you each have oh, a right. baby to suckle and then you can trade off. Uh, cons, there could be a lot of jealousy, Marie. You know, it's like, it's my turn to breastfeed, not yours, and I'm more engorged than you are. I was oh. not 
work all day. So, I mean, I never had that discussion. I'm hetero and I never had that discussion with my husband. It, it just wasn't something I ever had to think about. But um, well, another- that's because he wasn't part of the equation. So. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. But I had another couple where um, the non-biological mom got her period. And you know sometimes how women, uh, like whether it's in your college dorm or a sister, you will menstruate uh-huh. together? Absolutely. Well, so the biological mom then started her period because the hormones were so strong in the house and uh, she lost a lot of ground with her milk supply. And she said to me, you know, if you're in a hetero relationship, that's just not something you need to worry about. Right. So... Right. And and certainly if you've ever lived in a dorm with a bunch of women, I went to nursing school with 144 women under the same roof. And (laughs) I I wonder what the janitor thought when he took out the trash. But (laughs) anyway, uh, talk to us, though, Kathy, a little bit about some options for uh, let's say that one one mother goes back to work, then Typically, does the other mother just take, not typically, but do you, do you encourage them to take over or to share the task or you probably encourage them to talk it out, but what kinds of things do they feel like they need to talk out? Maybe that's my question. Well, the options are really endless. So it depends on if it depends who's going back to work, what their hours are going to be, if they're going to be pumping at the office. Um, who makes the most milk, who has the best storage capacity, who's into it the most. Um, And then sometimes, you know, the babies will actually prefer one mama over the other one. And that can sometimes get a little sticky too. So options are endless. And it's just, there's nothing that's off the table, Marie. I just sit down and say, all right, here's what we have. We'll do one visit initially before the baby comes, then one when the baby comes, um, and I like the uh, newborn infant to go to both mamas when he or she is born. And uh, we just kind of take it from there. And then again, six weeks, eight weeks, however long uh, it takes for mom to want to return to work, the longer the better. Then we sit down a third time and go through it, and we go through some options. In that prenatal period, I presume that you talk to them about induced lactation or relactation. You probably mentioned that a supplemental nurser is a possibility, uh, those kinds of options. Absolutely, because as you know, breastfeeding is as much nurturing as nourishing. And the feeling of having the baby uh, at breast can just be delightful. On the other hand, I've had some moms just say that it's just not for them and they knew it right off the bat. And then I have to kind of do some counseling and explain to the biological mom that that, that's just not something that we're going to be able to work through. And, uh, you know, I refer to great therapists here in the area um, Mm, who understand how to do things like that, uh, kind of make peace. Kathleen, have you had some people where the biological mother does not want to nurse, but the other mother does want to nurse? Yes, I have. And I've kind of loved that situation, too, because the other mother that wanted to nurse actually had had a hysterectomy um, and didn't have a uterus anymore. And so obviously couldn't carry the baby, but wanted to breastfeed so badly. So uh, we went through a full induction with her, and I got to tell you, even I was impressed with what we wow. did. Wow. Yeah. We had a full supply, and everybody was happy. 
Yeah, I guess that was my other question is how did the biological mother take that? Uh, she was thrilled. She was super okay. happy with it. You know, roles are less defined now in hetero couples and same-sex couples, true. which I kind of love. I mean, I can even see it from my generation to my daughters. Um, there are different expectations. Uh, it's more Things are more egalitarian, you know, more equal. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of love the evolution. I think you're right about that, and and I say that because just today, my husband and I, although we were in different cities and having a phone call, something came up about sort of those roles that you're describing, and I said to him, yeah, but look at it this way. If you were married to Meryl Streep, and she was making how how many million dollars a year, you know, how would you feel about that? And he said, if I was married to her and if I was in love with her I would be supporting her with whatever she wanted to do I'd be thrilled and uh, of course to which I said to him right that's because you're a guy who is real comfortable with yourself and I'm you know clearly not everybody is as comfortable with that and again I think we're back to that's probably the case with heteros as well as with same-sex partners that you've got to have your own head together or otherwise, that jealousy thing does take on, uh, uh, I'm sure, a very bad color. Talk to me a little bit about, um, w- would you describe, Kathy, would you describe the prenatal situation as these women, or at least one of them, being treated like a fertility patient? How, how does that yeah, work? Absolutely. So one of the biggest complaints is that these women just simply need sperm. Bottom line. And in order to obtain that, for the most part, many women will go to an infertility clinic, uh, but they're not infertile. So they kind of feel put down. You know, um, I love mm-hmm. the story. One of the women said to me, you know, Kathy, unlike you, I don't have an endless supply of semen at home. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just never thought about my partner as being an endless supply of semen. But, uh, it, it's a commodity nonetheless, and yes. uh, you you can get coupons, and you can go on uh, certain websites and purchase it on your own. But then, yeah, they kind of hate being treated like that yes. Uh, yes. because they're very fertile. Yes, but I'm also thinking the price tag on that is yes. huge. Yes, yes. Well, and it doesn't always take the first time. In fact, it usually doesn't take the first time. Exactly right. So now that uh, there's more marriages, uh, then you have better health insurance and uh, things like that. So it all has been working out fine. But it really does tell me that I'm, I'm sort of hearing the impact as I'm hearing you talking that this is a difficult road and... I can see where some people would just say, no, forget it. We're not going to do the whole breastfeeding thing. It was hard enough to get to where we are now. Uh, True. But, you know, you come this far, you may as well finish it up. And what I always worry about is women getting older. I'm in my 60s. And I said, I don't want you to be my age and reflect back on your life at this point and say, you know, if only I would have tried that, if only I would have persevered, if only somebody would have told me that that's something that's really possible and doable and I felt supported. And I think that's maybe I find myself in the role of a counselor a little bit, supporting these women and making sure that they get their needs met and uh, and that they know what their options are. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Right. 
But it also sounds to me like you really help them to have those conversations and to maybe give them some words that help them to have those conversations in a meaningful way. You know, absolutely right. And the other thing is, Marie, I didn't realize when I first started my research that sexuality is on a continuum. I thought you were either a man or a woman. I, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I'm a nurse practitioner and I kind of realized that there was a, a lot more to it. But I, not until I did my research did I realize, you know, for instance, I had a couple come in and um, they asked to only be called by their first name. And uh, and not um, uh, you know mom and dad. Have you have you know what I'm talking about? Oh sure sure. And, uh-huh. and so they said just just call us you know Fred and Sally. And uh-huh. so I, I said okay, but is there some kind of reason why? And um, and Sally spoke up and said Fred just isn't sure um, where. Fred's sexuality is. He doesn't know how he identifies right now. And uh-huh, then, you know, uh-huh. I, I didn't get that. But then when they said it, I got it. I was like, oh, of course. And so Fred didn't want to be identified as dad because Fred felt more like another mom. Yes. So yes, I learned yeah. to ask and not to assume. I don't assume anything anymore. I just ask. I think that's a really good way to go because certainly um, there's a number of variations as you and I very well know. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with my guest, Kathy McHugh. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Nuru Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Roo Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NewRooBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. 
Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with my guest, nurse practitioner, IBCLC, and author and nurse extraordinaire, Kathy McHugh. Kathy, before we uh, went to break, we were talking about some of the uh, language, and I'd like to pick that up a little bit more, in terms of what is gender-neutral language? What in general, like, I I happen to be a nurse, but if I'm just the next-door neighbor lady, what how can I not be offensive to these people who are, first of all, same sex, but also that they've got two mothers? Help me with what I could say that would be respectful and things that I could say that would be not respectful. Sure, that's a great question. And if you were to see a woman out with her baby, um, if she was your new neighbor and you introduced yourself, you shouldn't say, um, and is your husband around so I can introduce? Don't assume that she has a husband. So gender neutral, Marie, would be you saying, how about your partner? When's a good time for me to meet your partner? Not assuming it's a man. Um, And on the forums in our office from uh, when I did my research on, I now label parent one and parent two or just parent and parent. I don't even number them. Uh But um, I think everybody's a parent. Uh, and I, you know, when I remember talking to my chair about wanting to research lesbians, I was from a generation where it wasn't even something I said out loud. I would, I would whisper the word. And right, when right. my chair said, Kathy, what do you want to do your research on? I kind of mumbled lesbians. And she said, excuse me, I can't hear you. And I said, lesbians. <laughs> and she said, oh, my God, this is so fabulous. Uh, she said, my daughter's a lesbian. And it was like an incredible coincidence Um, But it just made me feel much more comfortable. So if you were to see neighbors and they were both women, uh, you can say, oh, how lovely. You know, how long have you been together? You know, something like that. But you don't ask, are you married or, you know, things like that. You just uh, assume they're like any other couple on the block. Yeah, I was just going to say, other couples on the block, I wouldn't ask them, are you married? It's None of my business. It's probably okay. not relevant. It's it's about the baby, for heaven's sakes. Now, I, I'm chuckling a little bit, Kathy, about uh, what you said about getting the word lesbian out of your mouth, because as I remember, you went to a Catholic university. I did. And when I was a little girl, when I was five years old, I told one of the nuns that my mother was pregnant, and I got sent home for two days. <laughs> because so you said pregnant? I said pregnant in 1957. It tells you exactly how old I am. But I know humble words. It's just like I'm not sure of what I'm doing, and I wasn't sure what I was doing with this community. But, oh, my God, Marie, they were just so open. They really embraced this, and they were so thrilled that somebody was actually studying them and working with them uh, as the community 
and uh, was that open? And they're not really much different than my women uh, moms that are using surrogates to have their babies, and I induce lactation. So you know, the more the more the merrier. Kathy, hopefully, we could forgive the neighbor who didn't have the right words come out of her mouth. Hopefully staff, people at the hospital do know enough to have the right words come out of their mouth. But I have a, a question around that, which is, have you got any really good stories of staff who treat uh, same-sex couples well or do you have any bad stories where they did not get treated well and they felt oh talked down to or insulted or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, do I have stories. <laughs> uh, the other mother was coming in uh, to the section. The mother, after laboring, uh, the doctor had decided to perform a C-section. And so the nurse threw a pair of scrubs at the other mother and said, here, put the daddy suit on. And that was really painful. You know, it's not a daddy suit. No. Um, And we have to change things like that. So you could say, quick, throw these scrubs on. And you know what? If you catch yourself saying the wrong thing, um, you know, you need to stop and say, I'm sorry. That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say scrubs. Please forgive me. I'm, I'm just, you know, maybe in such a groove here. And, you know, that's the right thing to do. Not just, you know, look at their forlorn faces. Or same thing, I had parents that went to, Two moms that went to, um, uh, it was like teaching about birth and delivery and everything, childbirth education class, and they kept referring to the dad, the dad, the dad, and clearly there were five couples there, and one of them were two women. So um, it's uncomfortable for the other parents, too, because now this is something that I think we're consciously incompetent about at times. Kathy, I want to up the ante here a little bit. I've worked my share of labor and delivery, and I learned early in the game that it was the, the person, the man that was with the woman wasn't necessarily the daddy. Exactly. Uh, he wasn't but, necessarily the husband. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, you Again. can't really assume. Uh, certainly, I've seen my share of people for whom the father of the baby has long since been out of the picture. And, uh, you know, the, the man that's with her. So the fact that we've got a woman with another woman is in some respects, exactly the same thing. You can't make a presumption exactly. about anything. That the daddy suit, no, that doesn't work. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> and then sometimes uh, the mom that's giving birth wants the infant brought directly to the other mother's chest. As you know, you have that golden hour after delivery where the baby should be on you, with you, next to you. And that basically tells your body that the baby survived the birth. And I believe that's responsible for getting, you know, the milk flowing and all that lovely oxytocin snuggling. And sometimes the biological mom said, please put the baby right to my partner's chest. How does staff react to that? Well, it depends on the staff, you know, it depends on the hospital. And then sometimes I say, look, make a phone call early. Go in there during the hospital tour if that's where you're going to give birth or the birthing center or with the midwives or whomever and discuss, you know, as part of your birth plan, what you want to happen when this infant is born. Absolutely. If, you know, I have a friend that has this great saying, and he says when he gets a no, he either says he hasn't asked the question properly or he's talking to the wrong person. Oh, I like that. I know. I do, too. And Yes. this is a guy who's going to be 90 in August, and I just like, I like that sentiment. So if you're getting a no, then you're either talking to the wrong person or you haven't asked your question right. 
Yes, because I'm I'm sure that what he's saying is he's not going to take no for an answer. No, you don't have to. In this case, you don't have to. And there are a lot of hospitals that would fight for your business. So go to a place where they're friendly to a a relationship like yours. So, Kathy, let's say that the staff person, nurse, whoever, is either disrespectful verbally or doesn't want to bring the baby to the other mother or whatever the circumstance. But my question is, how do the parents... Now, the one who's having the cesarean, she's probably not going to be able to do too much for herself, but but she might be uh, having a vaginal birth, being able to speak up for herself or the other partner. Do you have some sound bites to help them make a comeback to staff to to let them know that was not appropriate? I think just be really open and honest and tell them, say, you know, before the baby is even born, uh, you should have an idea of what you'd like to happen in the delivery room. And you want to have everybody know your birth plan. So you should tell the nurses, say, you know, when the baby's born, I'm going to have, you know, him or her go to my wife's breast. And that's just the way it happens. And um, get the doctor to buy in. Make sure that you're going to a doctor that understands or a midwife or somebody that understands your relationship and the importance that this holds for you. This is I'm thinking, I'm yeah. thinking a doula would come in real handy. Oh, absolutely. A birth yeah. doula would be yeah. incredible. I mean, I have some favorite birth doulas here, and let me tell you, they really know how to get things done. Well, they also are very good at knowing sort of the whole picture from beginning to end. Speaking as a labor and delivery nurse, I can tell you that sometimes the best laid plans all go to pot when the woman comes in and she's seven centimeters dilated and everything goes fast and nobody's paying attention. But the doula tends to be the one who kind of knows the whole score and is an advocate in a respectful way, but really gets the job done. Right, they're experienced. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they really know how to, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like work the system, but in a respectful way and in a way that gives continuity of care. So that would be one of the things that I would suggest, certainly, well, for anybody having a baby. Fabulous. It's a great idea. But certainly for same-sex people as well. So, so. Kathy, we've talked a lot about the mothers, the staff, and so forth. What about when you have, say, a toddler and he's used to having one mother or the other mother? Uh, How do those kids react? Any stories along those lines? Gosh, my favorite story is I had a couple go to a toy store, uh, two women, and one of them stepped outside to make a phone call. Now, keep in mind that the mothers will have individual designations. One may be called Mama, one may be called Mommy. So this little one throws a temper tantrum on the floor, throws himself down. He wants a toy. And uh, Mother One says no, and so picks him up and starts to walk out the store. And he said, you put me down. I want my Mommy. And, of course, the store manager came over and grabbed him because he thought the little one was being abducted. (laughs) Right. uh, You know, he wasn't even thinking that there may be two, you know, a mama and a mommy. Oh, brother. Yeah, that's an excellent example of how there was no harm, but we all tend to react to those things, which is why... Anyone who's listening, I'm hoping that they can sort of maybe anticipate those kinds of things and be ready for some good comebacks. Uh, Kathy, you have such great insights. Uh, Don't go away. Nobody else go away. I'm not going away. We will all be back right after this break. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with uh, Kathy McHugh. We're talking about breastfeeding and same-sex relationships. Kathy, as you look back, and I don't know how many years you've been helping same-sex couples. Certainly, you've been helping couples and babies for, as you said, some 40 years or so. But as you look back on the time that you've spent with same-sex couples, what kinds of things really come back to you? Things that have been particularly memorable, good or bad, maybe something that just made an impression on you. I know certainly I've got patients in my past that I will never forget what happened or how it happened or, you know, it's like one of those things that I just carry in my heart. Uh, what what kinds of things come to your mind as you think about working with same-sex couples? Um, I like to laugh a lot and I like to keep things really on a light note when I'm in working with parents. And I kind of try to tell funny stories and things that have happened and put everybody at ease. I mean, I had one family where uh, the biological mom actually had had a double mastectomy prophylactically because she had such a high incidence of breast cancer, uh, a la Angelina Jolie kind of a surgery. Uh Uh And the other mother was, um, I'll use the word, more butch. 
um, and had no interest in breastfeeding at all. But when she saw how important it was, she stepped up to the plate and I induced her lactation. And I cannot tell you uh, at the beginning, I think there wasn't a dry eye there um, as, you know, the other mother was breastfeeding and had brought in a, a, a pretty good milk supply. Uh, it was just really meaningful. Mm. And, you know, they sometimes, think, yeah, go I ahead. Think- I think you're saying it's not something that she necessarily would have wanted to do, but she did it for love of her partner and love of the baby. Absolutely. And it's just how meaningful it was to her partner. And uh, it just, even though it wasn't for her, she touched her. And you know what? She breastfed that little guy until he was over two. Wow. Uh, She was actually an LGBT therapist. And she said that, you know, being with him helped her have uh, more insight and better insight with her male patients. So I, I so think that was a win-win for everybody. It was. Yeah. Oh. And she was so sweet about it. You know, I mean, she was like, you know, I'm not into this. Uh, uh, I'm into breast for sexuality, but that's about it. But I'm going to step up to the plate. And she was very matter of fact about it. And, you know, like I said, we, we had fun with it. We made sure that it was not anything that was too serious and a, and a drudge. Kathy, I would just like to add that even for heterosexual couples, every single one of us could say that we've done something that we're we're not necessarily real keen on, but our our partner can't do it, so we do it. Absolutely. This, the breastfeeding thing is just kind of the same same idea, you know? Sure. Yeah. You got to do what your baby needs and needs. what your partner wants, and that's the part of the negotiation that makes a good partnership. Absolutely. Anything else that jumps to your mind? You started to say about the grandmother, I think. Oh, gosh, I had a grandmother once who, you know, sometimes um, people will say things and it kind of resonates with the couple. But she told her daughter who was the, uh, well, she told the partner, the non-biological mother, her daughter was the one that was going to give birth to the baby. And she said to the partner, the, the mother's wife, she said, you know, it's not the same and you will never be as close to this baby as my daughter is. And, you know, that really haunted her. And they came in and she said, is that true if I'm not giving birth? You know, but I am going to put the baby to breast. And I said, no. I said, babies, you know, they don't know. I said, you know, you see a breast, they see a bucket of fried chicken. They're just uh, (laughs) kind of happy. And she said, oh, you know, the babies will box the breast. And and she says, I think he's pushing me away. And I said, why would he push you away? She says, he knows he's a donor egg. I said, no, he doesn't. No, No, he doesn't. No, no, no kinds of cognition. Uh, babies have really simple needs, as you know, Marie. Yeah, absolutely. I love the bucket of chicken, though. I'm thinking, boy, talk about keep it light. That, that is certainly a great one. Kathy, as we start to wrap up for today, what are maybe two or three main points that you would want people to take home as you have given us so many of your really good insights here? Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier, sexuality is really on a continuum, um, you know, between male and female. It's not all or nothing. And roles are fluid. So they don't have to have um, couples. Any couples don't have to have classic roles where one's the breadwinner, one stays home and cares for the house and the children. Um, anybody can support uh, at home. Anybody can support financially. Both parents can work. You can hire a third person. 
uh, to come in and help. You want gender neutral language. You never want to call people anything that they don't want to be called. Maybe you're not mom and dad. What what would be your designations? And I guess, you know, don't assume, Marie. Don't assume that you know what's going on within a house and uh, be open and ask lots of questions. People love to tell you their stories. Mm, and uh, Same-sex couples are no different. And, and everybody does have a really sweet story. That is so true. And that is so, so true. Uh, Kathy, also, please, we're very interested in what you do, where you are, and... Uh, how do we find you if we live on the East Coast here in the United States? And if we can't find you, how do we find people like you? So you can always find an IBCLC, an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, online. There's a whole registry of them. Uh, you definitely want someone that's board certified. If you find someone who also practices medicine like I do, they have a lovely DEA number and can also write you prescriptions. If you get a mastitis, uh, some of the methods to induce lactation. Um, I am at Bethesda Breastfeeding at Gmail. And Bethesda is B-E-T-H-E-S-D-A, Bethesda Breastfeeding at Gmail, and the website, BethesdaBreastfeeding.com. Um, I also have a pillow business, Little Beam, B-E-A-M-L-I-T-T-L-E-B-E-A-M.com, which is just a little breastfeeding pillow because I got tired of seeing those great big things. Most moms are out and on the move, so I wanted something easy to put in a diaper bag. And uh, my first book, Start Here, uh, is I, my favorite book because it really goes through the basics of having uh, a baby. And I put everything in there, things about skincare and baths and something I call burping at the bar where you put the baby <laughs> up on one leg so that, you know, you're not jackknifing him. So, um, you know, yeah, happy to answer questions. Um, if you're here on the East Coast area, I've had people come in from New York already. And I'll also be happy to Skype visits. That tells us how committed you are, how popular you are, and also how busy you are. I'm thinking, good grief, when does this woman sit down and have a <laughs> moment for herself here? And plus, she joins my radio show. I'm so grateful that you could be here with us today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Kathy McHugh, uh, Doctor of Nursing Practice, IBCLC, and truly, uh, nurse and woman extraordinaire. That is all the time we have today. I would like to thank Kathy McHugh. I'd also like to thank Nuru and also New Angel. And I'd especially like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. Please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. So if you are a parent, it's www.borntobebreastfed.com. If you're a professional, it's breastfeedingoutlook.com. We have a couple of good specials going on right now, especially if you're trying to recertify or if you'd like to join me for my comprehensive course because you're just getting your IBCLC credential, which Kathy just mentioned. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I will help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, 
same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. We'll be right back. 